Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website www.exchangechurch.org.au. Welcome guys, it's a real pleasure again to be with you as we gather together as Exchange Church. Uh, still doing services online, I want to thank again the team that are behind the scenes putting all this together. Lots of people doing editing and uh, cutting and shutting and copying and pasting. Our team also meeting for music as well. That's a real blessing for us as they dedicate time to that. And everybody, many people playing their various parts here in the life of Exchange Church as we put our service up online. Uh, we come now, probably uh, one of the most important parts of our service, where we worship God through the opening up of his word and uh, teaching and applying that word to our hearts and lives so that we can grow in the gospel. And that's the privilege I have here as the lead pastor of Exchange Church. My name is Todd Hall, and that's the role that I take here that uh, God has given to me uh, to help grow people in the gospel and to be part of a community doing this all together and uh, doing this in a family of love and a family of uh, togetherness as well. Uh, we've been going through the book of Colossians uh, the last few months, and uh, today we're up to Colossians chapter 3. We're sort of getting to a point now where the gospel's turning over from where Paul's talking about it to now applying it to our lives and where it uh, finds traction. And where we are today is looking at the family. The family. Uh, what should we find with a family? Family is a place where we should find uh, value, connection, uh, love, safety, belonging, Forgiveness in a family, correction in a family, acceptance in a family, and probably a whole host of other things we find and discover in the great gift of family that God has given to us. Family is arranged by God. It's by God's design. It's a place of stability and learning and growth is where God places us to grow and mature as people. Uh, family is a place when all else is failing in life, I can always count on my family. I can come back to them and they will pick me up and help me to get rebuild my life and get strong again. Within a family, uh, we have a wife and a mother. They play a very significant role in a family. Within marriage and family, we have a wife and a mother and they play a very significant role. We want to look at that today as we open up God's Word to look at the role of a wife in God's created design of family. So if you've got your Bibles here, we're going to read firstly from Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to drop down and read from verses 18 to 25 to help set us the context here. So, verse 1. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, across to verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleases, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. 
You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you today that we have this awesome privilege, this great privilege to come and to gather together online, Lord, and come now together around your word. Holy Spirit, we would ask and pray as we just uh, let the gospel now work into our hearts and our lives through family, we ask, Holy Spirit, please open up the truths of the gospel to redeem and restore and help families to flourish and grow, particularly as we think about wives today. Uh, Lord, today we ask and we pray that in Jesus' name and for your glory, Lord. Amen. Amen. So as we have been working our way through Colossians, there's been a lot of theology over the last few weeks, teaching about God, uh, and now Paul moves into this practical implications of what the gospel means. We've heard all about the gospel, but now what does the gospel mean as it is implied into our life and how we live it out? We've been raised to new life, as we read there in those first four verses. So now let's begin to live out this life. In other words, become who you already are, washed, clean, made right in God by Christ. Now become that by living out the gospel. Now the very first place that Paul calls us to live out our new lives is in the family. This makes complete sense. Uh, The basic family unit makes up the foundational fabric of our society. It really, really does. It's the place where children are formed through their convictions and their beliefs and their character is in the family. Uh, Stable, loving families provide for a stable, loving community. It really is the fabric of our society. Uh, It's also in families where the gospel should be working in its life through its power because out of our families, as it were, we live the rest of our lives. Because often in our homes is where we really are. It's the real person. So the gospel's got to be where we are in our natural life, where we really are, where we see the real you. So families is the logical first place where we want to see the gospel uh, take hold in our lives and live it out practically. Now, what Paul says here with some of these instructions he's just given us in Colossians chapter 3, as he says that today in, in 2020, it's very controversial. Very controversial what he's just said. So I'm going to say this. I do run the risk today of being misunderstood as you listen to this talk. And I probably will be misunderstood as some of you are hearing this talk. Because you may have a filter on your mind already, thinking everything through that filter as I say that. So what I'm going to do is ask you to do this. You will need to listen to all three talks over the next few weeks to get the full context of what we're talking about here as we talk about families. If you only just listen to today's talk and not next week and the week after that, you won't get the complete picture and you won't get the full context of where Paul's coming from and where I'm coming from as I open up what the Holy Spirit has inspired Paul to say. So today, we want to unpack only verse 18. Only verse 18 about wives submitting to their husbands because this is fitting in the Lord. And our big idea will be this. Gospel living calls wives to live in a willing submission to God and to the headship that God has ordained upon their husband. Let me say that again. Gospel living calls wives to live in a willing submission to God and to the headship he's ordained upon their husband. Okay, now as I said, To say that statement today risks me being run out of town. Maybe YouTube could shut me down. I don't know. How can you say this? 
Aren't you so out of touch with culture that you could say something like that? Is possibly some of the statements people are thinking right now. We'll come back to that in a moment. First, though, let me put some foundation to this statement as Paul says this, because it can seem like a really cold one-liner from Paul. Does he just sort of spit this out cold without any calculation? He just says it? There's a creative order that God has put into place, and the principles of this God-created order are timeless. History, time, or culture don't diminish or change God's timeless principles that he's put in place for the family structure. Now, to help us see this structure, to help us see this created order that God has put in place right at the beginning of time, we need to go back to the start of the Bible to see that. Come with me to Genesis chapter 2 as we read there of God's order for marriage and family. Starting in verse 18, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. God's already created Adam, and he's created Adam to subdue the earth and have dominion over it. In other words, to rule the earth on God's behalf. But he says there, it's not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. The word helper there, that God's recorded for us, is means someone to support Adam in the task of ruling the earth. God says, I'll bring a helper along suitable for you, Adam, in this task. Follow on in verse 19. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. What a big job that would be, trying to think of all those names. But for Adam, there was not a helper fit for him. A really interesting passage of scripture and an important passage of scripture as well. Here's Adam, busy naming all the animals of the earth. That's part of his role of ruling the earth, subduing it and ruling it under God. He sees every animal and realizes in Adam himself that not one of these animals is a suitable helper for him. Not one was actually going to be able to help him to do this, rule the earth. Now, this, I believe, is done on purpose by God bringing these animals one by one to Adam so he could name them. And I believe God showed this to Adam, that he needs an equal being to come alongside him to rule the earth. He couldn't be man's best friend and a dog to help rule the earth. It couldn't be a cockatoo that can maybe compare it what Adam is saying. Adam had to be shown by God by bringing every animal and so you need someone just like you to be able to rule this earth. And as I read this the other day, I saw this and I thought it was great. It said this, Okay, son, this is paraphrasing there. This is God speaking to Adam in a paraphrase. Okay, son, you just go to sleep over there and I'll bring you a gift that's perfectly suited for you. Here's what happens in verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, they are the first words that Adam speaks in the Bible. They are the first words any human being we have recorded for us in those words there. This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. I'm seeing it like this, because this is like a poem or a song, if you actually read this back in the original Hebrew. 
Adam wakes up, he takes one look at Eve and he says this, Wow, you are drop dead gorgeous. He sees the woman and he thinks she is wow. He's a person just like me, Adam's seeing. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. When Adam's saying that, he's saying this, you are made of the same substance of me. Woman, you are made in the image of God just the same as me. Really important statement that Adam's just said, because we can see some big principles that actually come out of this, of this passage to help us grasp who male and female are and God's order for family in this. Here's the first one. When Adam says that, Eve, you are the same as me, it also means this. Man and woman, male and female, are absolutely equal, absolutely equal in the sight of God. Here's how God sees them. Before God, both male and female have equal dignity, value, respect and worth. Males aren't superior and females inferior. Before God, we are of equal quality made in his image. That's really important to get. Really, really important to get and not to be confused here. Male is not superior and female inferior. Man is not first class and woman second class. Before God, they are absolutely equal in dignity, worth, value and respect. Equal. Made in the image of God. Another principle we see here as we've thought about this passage is this. Adam is created first and he's given the task by God to rule the earth that God has created. What's his first job? His first job is to name all the animals as God's ruler on the earth. He's tasked to rule the earth. He's created for that. And he's created first and that's his given role. Then when God makes Eve, she's made as a helper or supporter to assist Adam in ruling the earth. God says you need a helper made suitable for you to assist you in this task. So in God's created order, Adam is given the headship to lead and to rule. And Eve is given the role to help and support that headship. That's really important for us to pick up here. Adam is given the lead or the headship to rule and subdue the earth. And Eve is given the role to help and support Adam in that task. So now we can say this. Both Adam and Eve are absolutely equal before the eyes of God. But also both are given different roles and different responsibilities to carry out before God. Adam is called to be the head. And Eve is called to support Adam, the head. That's how God's created it. They're equal. They're the same, but they're different. Really important to get that as well. They're equal and they're the same, but they're different. Just like we are biologically different. Men cannot have babies. Women are designed for that. That is their role. That is what they can do. That's how God's designed it. So we're the same in every respect, but at the same time, we're different. Different roles, different responsibilities. So that's the foundation there of God's created order in the sense of family, marriage and family. 
Now, the New Testament also gives us other confirmation of this as well. Have a look in Ephesians 5, uh, 23, and it says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Okay, Paul writing again to the Ephesians says a similar thing to what we just read in Colossians. Here's Peter, another apostle. He says this in 1 Peter. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, <coughs> they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Peter's saying the same thing. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. So to help us here, Paul hasn't plucked this out of thin air. Like he hasn't just made this up to suit his own thing. Paul's not some sort of woman hater or misogynist. Paul has actually got the foundation here from the created order that God has made. This is absolutely grounded in God's design and order for families. Okay, to hear Paul say that though, seems really foreign to our culture of today. When Paul says that, there's something that perhaps grates with us, particularly in our Western world, our Western culture, to hear that said in some sense, people would say, that's demeaning of women. That's degrading for them that they should be sort of serving a headship or supporting a headship in males. How dare they should have to submit to their husband's authority? It's egalitarian. We're all equal in every possible way. Today's Western culture is all about women rising up and being truly equal without any distinction of role or responsibility at all between male and female. That's what our Western culture promotes. So, why do we get that protest and pushback by society? Why do we sort of get that resistance to what Paul is saying here? Because there is resistance. Here's a few reasons why I believe this has occurred. Firstly, <coughs> we've broken God's created order. Adam and Eve both sinned before God and decided to rule their own destiny and call their own shots in life. They rebelled against God's order. We do the same thing today. We, don't, we want to be the boss of our own life. Nobody tells me to submit to anybody else. You're not going to crush my freedom like that. I'm my own person. I'm the boss of me. You don't tell me some sort of authority structure. See, the primary reason that we push back against what Paul is saying here is because we've broken God's order. It started with Adam and Eve and it flows all the way down through every human being right to this present time. We've broken God's order. Secondly, the reason why we push back sometimes against headship uh, is because headship has been abused by husbands. Absolutely abused. I think every wife, without exception, has experienced some type of abuse in varying degrees. Now, you might say that's a big statement, Todd. I thoroughly believe that. I think every wife, without exception, has experienced some abuse in some varying degree. It may be really small scale where a husband just doesn't consider his wife's thoughts and feelings about something, and he just goes ahead and does it. Possibly, hey, you've planned a trip for Melbourne, and the husband's just come along without thinking about his wife's thoughts or feelings and said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going. And doesn't even give her a look in to sort of discuss it. She feels crushed there. There's a form of abuse. There's an experience there of domination. 
or on large scale, it can get worse. This domination can turn into ugly violence. This husband or this man is just an angry animal. He rules, his way of actually headship is rules with threats and actions of violence to, as it were, batter people into fear and slavery. And one of the most horrific statistics that we know in Australia is this. One woman dies every nine days in Australia from domestic violence. Male domination. Male uh, bravado and angry violence just turns horrific when a woman is killed. Now, what I want to say here is this. If you are in an abusive situation today and you're watching here with us at Exchange Church, I would counsel you to contact the police immediately if you are in fear of your safety. Immediately contact the police. And we here at Exchange would love to assist you if you needed help in doing that. Just make contact with us and we would help you in that. <coughs> Thirdly, another reason why people push back, some wives will push back against this truth of male headship, is because some women are very strong-willed in their nature. They are very dominant and strong-willed themselves in their own nature. They resent being told what to do. They resent not being able to have perhaps the final say in a situation. They are just strong-willed and they just resist. Now, that is the pushback against what Paul says here. But, you know, funnily enough, when Paul said this 2,000 years ago to the Colossian church, they just accepted that, no problems. Because that's how culture was then. And actually, if you think about the culture of today, every other culture outside of Western culture sees that and says, yep, that's right. That's exactly how it should be. Now, other cultures, mind you, have abused it as well. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it's only the Western culture that actually pushes back against that. Anyway, that is the broken order. That is why we get this pushback and this negativity here towards what Paul is saying. So let us now deal with what Paul's saying here. The gospel redeems what we've broken. This is what Paul is doing with the Colossians. He's bringing the gospel to bear upon their lives. And for Paul, he wants to see the gospel to be to rebuild our families first. So let's go back again to verse 18 and see what Paul says there. Here's what he says. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Just let that sit with us there for a moment. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. In the Lord. Submit. What does that mean? It's to have a willingness to recognize and yield to the headship of your husband. Recognize his God-given role and responsibility and support him, support him in this headship by willing submission. That's what it is to recognize his role and support him in this willing submission as he carries out this role and responsibility. How does that look? Good question. We're probably all thinking, well, Todd, how does this look? In a loving, gospel-transformed, Jesus-centered relationship, get the context there. This, you know, I'm going to talk about other stuff next week and the week after. That's why you've got to be with us for the next three weeks. In a loving, gospel-transformed, Jesus-centered relationship, Husband and wife will have to discuss and make a direction going forward over 
many decisions. Probably each day, I'd say tens, maybe even hundreds of decisions, sometimes each day. This is what family's about. This is what marriage is about. It's about a lot of discussions. It's about life trying to seek to write the, to make the right choice, to, to choose the right direction going forward. Lots of decisions, lots of discussions, lots of choices trying to move in the right direction going forward that honours and glorifies God, our Creator and Maker. Every day there's decisions to be made. Will we go there or will we go here? How much time will we spend there or how much time will we spend there? How much money will we spend here or how much money will we spend there? Will we let the kids go there or will we let the kids go here? Will we let the kids wear this or we won't let the kids wear this? There's a whole stack of decisions making every day to make God-honoring choices going forward. We're constantly making decisions. Now, the husband has the primary responsibility to take the lead, the primary responsibility given by God to take the lead to make God-honoring decisions. That's his role. That's his responsibility. He can't or he shouldn't abdicate this role. Otherwise, he's not fulfilling what God has ordained and created him to do. He shouldn't do that. And too often, men do run away from this role or responsibility. They actually handball it onto their wife, oh, you make the call, because they haven't got the courage or the willingness or the convictions to stand up and make that. More about that in the next couple of weeks. They shouldn't do that, though. In a gospel-redeemed relationship, here's what should happen. Both the husband and the wife will make these decisions jointly. They'll discuss and they'll talk and they'll look at the various angles and the various points and the circumstances. They'll discuss this together. In other words, what you'll do is you'll make time, careful time, to carefully discuss the current circumstances you face and try and make a decision going forward that honours God. And very often in those discussions, you'll agree. You'll both be on the same page. You'll look at the circumstances, look at the situation. You'll sit down and talk and discuss. And praise God, you're both on the same page. Yep, we're going to go in that direction. That's all good. That's great. It's fantastic when it's like that. But other times, you'll disagree on which way to go. The husband thinks left. The wife thinks right. You've actually reached a bit of an impasse here. What do you do? Because the husband's saying go left and the wife's, uh, the wife's saying go right. How do you deal with that in that situation? The gospel tells the wife to submit, to yield to his role, to yield to his responsibility, and to go the way of her husband. Why? Look back in verse 18 again. Because this is fitting in the Lord. Why do we submit? Because this is, this is the Lord's right way. This is the Lord's correct order. This is the way God has ordained it to take place. She submits. She yields to her husband. So how does she respond here in this difficult situation? Firstly, I'll say this. It's totally okay to be disappointed. That's natural. You do want to go in a certain direction. It didn't go there. It's really natural to feel disappointed. That's totally okay. It's also okay to express that disappointment to your husband in a really careful way. It's all right. It's letting your husband know how you felt about that decision in a careful, loving and sensitive way. And once you've expressed that, 
you just leave it right there with whatever it is and then you move on to supporting your husband's decision even though you may have not wanted to go that way initially and then you'd work as hard as you can to support your husband to, to do the best you can so that things move in the direction that he's chosen for it to go and I'll guarantee you this God will give you the grace that's required to fulfill that and to carry that out God will supply what you need to submit willingly in that situation but it's not okay to do this it's not okay to express your disappointment and then as it were go up another level in this protest with silent treatment or cold indifferent treatment I know what I'll do I just won't talk to him I know what I do I'll just ignore him and I'll treat him coldly I'll just withdraw and pull back a bit like sulking or sooking that's not gospel submission that's not what is fitting in the Lord that's sinful that's bitterness or that's revenge that's you trying to inflict some sort of pain on him so if you pursue that path of expressing your disappointment and going up another level and getting the cold treatment or the silent treatment or the ignoring treatment if you pursue that path that's a recipe for a destructive relationship it really really is can't do that that's not what the gospel empowers us for or calls us to now is there ever a time that a wife shouldn't submit to her husband is possibly a question you're thinking right now well surely maybe is there some time when we don't submit is there ever a time that a wife shouldn't submit to her husband yes yes if a husband should ever lead his wife into an ungodly decision that plainly goes against God's word plainly goes against God's word the wife has full grounds to resist her husband and not to submit him if the husband is wanting to enter into a business deal or buy something and do it in a defrauding way or a tax evasion way which is illegal or unlawful if he's trying to enter into into enter into anything as it were that's illegal that is not lawful that is ungodly and plainly goes against God's Word the wife has full grounds to resist and not submit to him in that situation what does she do she should carefully and lovingly express her convictions of why she's unwilling to submit express that in a careful and loving way and in a God honoring way hold her ground if the husband's trying to lead her in an ungodly or unbiblical way of doing something hold her ground there expressing her convictions in that affirming her love for the husband but not her love for the decision for he's trying to now make for their lives submission's hard work it's hard work I mean we know it as men to some extent when we're going to submit to another authority above us it's not always easy particularly when you, you see yourself as a joint relationship in a marriage and to submit to say okay one person's actually got to lead this we can't have two leaders going in two different directions one's got to be leader it's hard to submit in fact it's nearly impossible to submit unless you've got some sort of uh, motivating power within you that causes you to do that we need God's power to live out this gospel submission now as you if you were to read through the book of Colossians here you would see up to 25 times here through this book Paul mentions the name of Jesus Christ it's patently obvious for Paul 
that his motivation and inspiration in life is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the same way, Jesus is our motivation. He is our power. He is our rescuer and redeemer. And he's also the power for us to submit as well. And we see a great picture here of Jesus modeling submission for us. And we find it in the last night of Jesus' life here upon earth. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's facing a massive decision. He's got a choice to make. What will he do here? Will he submit to the Father's will and die on behalf of our sin to save us? Will he submit to that? Or will Jesus go another way and do his own thing? That's what lies before Jesus. And here's his answer from Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Can you see what Jesus is saying there? I'm going to submit to your will, father. Jesus is the model of submission for us. He has walked the path before us in submission so that we too can have that same power to walk the same path to submit to God's order in our life as well. Jesus is what we need to live out this godly gospel submission. The gospel here, as Paul is unpacking for the Colossians and bringing it forward now to practical application, is all about families And it's all about bringing redemption and restoration, glorifying God through God's order being lived out through families. The gospel also produces the fruit of blessing through harmony as families seek to live out God's order. It brings a blessing of harmony and peace. I could show you countless studies, countless studies that show time and time again that stable families following God's pattern of order and life and family are some of the best atmospheres, as it were, to raise families in, to raise children in, to have relationship in. There's a far greater chance of peace and order as we follow God's way. And actually, if we follow God's way as a wife, God's order, it's like a releasing and a freeing of them as they follow God's order to flourish in life through their God-given role as a wife, submitting to God, and submitting to their husband as well. Now, maybe that's you today. Maybe this is your first time to connect with us here at Exchange Church Online. Maybe this is the first time you've clicked on us and brought us into your lounge room. We want to say welcome. Welcome to be part of our service today. Maybe that's the life that you want. Maybe there's a quiet little voice in you that says, yeah, that's right. I know there's part of me that says, I want to rebel against my husband. There's another part of me that says, yes, what you're saying is right. I know within me there can't be two leaders. We are so glad you joined with us today. We want to introduce you to Jesus who saves us from our broken way of living and brings us into this gospel redeemed living to find this peace and order that we have. So how do we respond today for our wives? How do we respond as we hear this? Maybe some wives need to repent. Maybe you need to change the way you've been dealing with your husband and treating him. Maybe you need to acknowledge today where you've failed to submit to your husband and respect him as your head. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness today. Find a quiet place today and speak to your husband and say sorry for the way that you've treated him. 
and ask for forgiveness. And know that as you do that, God freely forgives. God restores and brings about joy and peace through that restoration. So maybe some wives today need to repent, need to change their heart, need to change their mind and say sorry. Some other wives, you may receive this as a real word of encouragement for you today to continue on this path, to continue on to glorify God through submitting to uh, the role of your husband and his headship. Can I say this? The role that you play, wives, is really key and foundational in marriages and in families. It's the role that God empowers you for. It's the role that God helps you to grow stable gospel marriages, as it were, to be salt and light amongst our community and amongst the greater community where we are as well. We want to encourage you in that today. At Exchange, we want to stand with you. We want to pray with you. We want to support you to carry out this role, that you will find great fulfillment and blessing in Christ as you do that. So be encouraged in that today. This is God's order. Keep at it. Let us support you. We want to say today, we love our wives. We love our mothers. We love what you do in the community. We love the role that God has given to you. And we want to see you flourish and grow in that today. And know that in Christ and in the gospel that you can. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we can gather together this morning. Thank you so much, Lord, for the word of Colossians. Thank you so much, Holy Spirit, that you inspired the Apostle Paul to write this for us today. Father, what a timely word for the world that we live in today. Bringing back your order into our families, allowing the gospel to redeem us and to restore us into this order so that we can live lives, Lord, that flourish and grow in you and shine the light of the gospel through our community. Lord, I pray today, please help our wives, Lord, in challenging situations. Lord, maybe some are in abusive situations. Lord, maybe some need to uh, report to the police. I pray, give them the courage and the ability to do that today. Please keep them safe. Please protect them, Lord, in that situation. Lord, for other wives who've just had bad experiences, perhaps, or wives have been quite strong-willed in their nature and find it really hard to submit to their husbands, please grow the gospel in their heart, I ask, Lord. Grow the vision of Christ, submitting to the Father, setting the pattern and giving us the power so that we could submit to your order as well, Lord, in our lives. Please help these ladies today, I pray to submit and find freedom, Lord, in doing that. Help us to come alongside, Lord, our wives and our mothers today who are living out this life, to draw alongside them and to help encourage them and build them up in this. Father, thank you so much for the gospel. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus. And thank you so much that you've called us into this life. May we live it with zeal and enthusiasm and great joy today, no matter how hard it is. Father, we ask that. We pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us with us today. Hey, if this is your first time, we would love for you to connect with us. Uh, you'll see on the bottom of the screen there, uh, info at exchangechurch.org.au. Please drop us a line on the email. We would love to connect, hear your story, uh, make uh, a bit of a contact with you. Uh, go to our website as well. You'll see that address there, www.exchangechurch.org.au. You can find out more about us. But please, if you want to connect, please do that. We would love to welcome you to be part of Exchange Church Shepparton. Uh, thanks so much for being with us. We're going to close with a song now as we hand back to the worship team. Thank you and God bless. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au 
Also, we love to welcome new people to Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.